Section 22 of Lives of the Most Eminent Painters, Sculptors, and Architects, Volume 7, by Giorgio Vasari, translation by Gaston de C. de Vere. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Rita Boutros. Section 22. Life of Michel Saint-Michel, Architect of Verona, Part 1. Michel Saint-Michel, who was born at Verona in the year 1484, and learned the first principles of architecture from his father Giovanni and his uncle Bartolomeo, both excellent architects, went off at sixteen years of age to Rome, leaving his father and two brothers of fine parts, one of whom, called Jacopo, devoted himself to letters, and the other, named Don Camillo, was a canon regular and general of that order. Having arrived there, he studied the ancient remains of architecture in such a manner, and with such diligence, observing and measuring everything minutely, that in a short time he became renowned and famous not only in Rome, but throughout all the places that are around that city. Moved by his fame, the people of Orvieto summoned him as architect to their celebrated temple, with an honorable salary, and while he was employed in their service, he was summoned for the same reason to Monte Fiasconi, as architect for the building of their principal temple, and thus, serving both the one and the other of these places, he executed all that there is to be seen in these two cities in the way of good architecture. Among other works, a most beautiful tomb was built after his design in San Domenico at Monte Fiasconi, I believe for one of the Petrucci, a nobleman of Siena, which cost a great sum of money and proved to be marvellous. Besides all this, he made an infinite number of designs for private houses in those places, and made himself known as a man of great judgment and excellence. Thereupon, Pope Clement the Seventh, proposing to make use of him in the most important operations of the wars that were stirring at that time throughout all Italy, gave him as a companion to Antonio da Sangallo, with a very good salary, to the end that they might go together to inspect all the places of greatest importance in the states of the church, and, wherever necessary, might see to the construction of fortifications, above all at Parma and Piacenza, because those two cities were most distant from Rome, and nearest and most exposed to the perils of war. Which duty having been executed by Michel and Antonio to the full satisfaction of the pontiff, there came to Michel a desire, after all those years, to revisit his native city and his relatives and friends, and even more, to see the fortresses of the Venetians. Wherefore, after he had been a few days in Verona, he went to Treviso to see the fortress there, and then to Padua for the same purpose. But the Signoria of Venice, having been warned of this, became suspicious that San Michel might be going about inspecting those fortresses with a hostile intent. Having therefore been arrested at Padua at their command and thrown into prison, 
He was examined at great length, but when it was found that he was an honest man, he was not only liberated by them, but also entreated that he should consent to enter the service of those same Signori of Venice, with honorable rank and salary. He excused himself by saying that he was not able to do that for the present, being engaged to his holiness, but he gave them fair promises, and then took his leave of them. Now he had not been away long, when he was forced to depart from Rome. To such purpose did those signori go to work in order to secure him, and to go, with the gracious leave of the Pope, whom he first satisfied in full, to serve those most illustrious noblemen his natural lords. Abiding with them, he gave soon enough a proof of his judgment and knowledge by making at Verona, after many difficulties which the work appeared to present, a very strong and beautiful bastion, which gave infinite satisfaction to those signori, and to the Lord Duke of Urbino, their captain-general. After these things, the same signori, having determined to fortify Legnago and Porto, places most important to their dominion, and situated upon the river Adige, one on one side and the other on the opposite side, but joined by a bridge, commissioned San Michel to show them, by means of a model, how it appeared to him that those places could and should be fortified which having been done by him his design gave infinite satisfaction to the signori and to the duke of urbino whereupon arrangements having been made for all that had to be done san michel executed the fortifications of those two places in such a manner that among works of that kind there is nothing better to be seen or more beautiful or more carefully considered or stronger as whoever has seen them well knows this done he fortified in the Bresciano, almost from the foundations, Orzinuovo, a fortress and port similar to Lagnago. San Michel being then sought for with great insistence by Signor Francesco Sforza, last Duke of Milan, the Signore consented to grant him leave, but for three months only. Having therefore gone to Milan, he inspected all the fortresses of that state, and gave directions in every place for all that it seemed to him necessary to do, and that with such credit and so much to the satisfaction of the Duke, that His Excellency, besides thanking the Signori of Venice, presented five hundred crowns to San Michel. And with this occasion, before returning to Venice, Michel went to Casale de Montferrato, in order to see that very strong and beautiful fortress and city, the architecture of which was the work of Matteo San Michel, an excellent architect, his cousin, and also an honored and very beautiful tomb of marble, erected in San Francesco in the same city, likewise under the direction of Matteo. Having then returned home, he had no sooner arrived than he was sent with the above-named Duke of Urbino to inspect La Chiusa, a fortress and pass of much importance above Verona, and then all the places in Friuli, Bergamo, 
vicenza pesciera and others of all which and of what seemed to him to be required he gave minute information in writing to the signori having next been sent by the same signori to dalmatia to fortify the cities and other places of that province he inspected everything and carried out restorations with great diligence wherever he saw the necessity to be greatest and since he could not himself dispatch all the work he left there gian girolamo his kinsman who after fortifying zara excellently well erected from the foundations the marvellous fortress of san nicolo over the mouth of the harbour of sabenico meanwhile michel was sent in great haste to corfu and restored the fortress there in many parts and he did the same in all the places in cyprus and candia even so not long afterwards on account of a fear that the island might be lost by reason of the war with the turks which was imminent he was forced to return there after having inspected the fortresses of the venetian dominion in italy to fortify with incredible rapidity canea candia retimo and setia but particularly cania and candia which he rebuilt from the foundations and made impregnable napoli de romagna being then besieged by the turks what with the diligence of san michel in fortifying it and furnishing it with bastions and the valour of agostino cesoni of verona a very valiant captain in defending it with arms it was not after all taken by the enemy or forced to surrender these wars finished san michel went with the magnificent messer tommaso mozzenigo captain-general of the fleet to fortify corfu once again and they then returned to Sabinico, where the diligence of Gian Girolamo, shown by him in constructing the above-mentioned fortress of San Nicolo, was much commended. San Michel, having then returned to Venice, where he was much extolled for the works executed in the Levant in the service of that republic, the signori resolved to build a fortress on the Lido at the mouth of the port of Venice wherefore giving the charge of this to san michel they said to him that if he had done such great things far away from venice he should think how much it was his duty to do in a work of such importance which was to lie for ever under the eyes of the senate and of so many great lords and that in addition besides beauty and strength in the work there was expected of him particular industry in founding truly and well in a marshy spot which was surrounded on all sides by the sea and exposed to the ebb and flow of the tide a pile of such importance san michel having therefore not only made a very beautiful and solid model but also considered the method of laying the foundations and carrying it into effect orders were given to him that he should set his hand to the work without delay whereupon after receiving from those signori all that was required he prepared the materials for filling in the foundations and besides this caused great numbers of piles to be sunk in double rows 
and then with a vast number of persons well acquainted with those waters he set himself to make the excavations and to contrive by means of pumps and other instruments to keep the water pumped out which was seen continually rising from below because the sight was in the sea one morning finally resolving to make a supreme effort to begin the foundations and assembling as many men fit for the purpose as could be obtained with all the porters of venice and many of the signori being present in a moment with incredible assiduity and promptitude the waters were mastered for a little to such purpose that the first stones of the foundations were thrown instantly upon the piles already driven in which stones being very large took up much space and made an excellent foundation and so continuing to keep the water pumped out without losing any time almost in a flash those foundations were laid contrary to the expectation of many who had looked upon that work as absolutely impossible the foundations when finished were allowed sufficient time to settle and then michel erected upon them a mighty and marvellous fortress building it on the outer side all in rustic work with very large stones from istria which are of an extreme hardness and able to withstand wind frost and the worst of weather wherefore that fortress besides being marvellous with regard to the site on which it is built is also from the beauty of the masonry and from its incredible cost one of the most stupendous that there are in europe at the present day rivalling the grandeur and majesty of the most famous edifices erected by the greatness of the romans for besides other things it appears as if made all from one block and as though a mountain of living rock had been carved and given that form so large are the blocks of which it is built and so well joined and united together not to speak of the ornaments and other things that are there seeing that one would never be able to say enough to do them justice Within it, Michel afterwards made a piazza, divided by pilasters and arches of the rustic order, which would have proved to be a very rare work, if it had not been left unfinished. This vast pile having been carried to the condition that has been described, some malign and envious persons said to the signoria that although it was very beautiful and built with every possible consideration nevertheless it would be useless for any purpose and perhaps even dangerous for the reason that on discharging the artillery on account of the great quantity and weight of artillery that the place required it was almost inevitable that the edifice should split open and fall to the ground it therefore appeared to those prudent signori that it would be well to make certain of this the matter being one of great importance and they caused to be taken there a vast quantity of artillery the heaviest that could be found in the arsenal then all the embrasures both above and below having been filled with cannon and the cannon charged more heavily than was usual they were all fired off together 
whereupon such were the noise, the thunder and the earthquake that resulted, that it seemed as if the world had burst to pieces, and the fortress, with all those flaming cannon, had the appearance of a volcano and of hell itself. But for all that the building stood firm in its former strength and solidity, whereby the Senate was convinced of the great worth of San Michel, and the evil speakers were put to scorn as men of little judgment, although they had put such terror into every one, that the ladies then pregnant, fearing some great disaster, had withdrawn from Venice. Not long afterwards, a place of no little importance on the coast near Venice, called Murano, having returned under the dominion of the Venetians, was restored and fortified with promptitude and diligence under the direction of San Michel. And about the same time, the fame of Michel and of his kinsman, Gian Girolamo, spreading ever more widely, they were requested many times, both the one and the other, to go to live with the Emperor Charles V and with King Francis of France. But, although they were invited under most honorable conditions, they would not leave their own masters to enter into the service of foreigners. Indeed, continuing in their offices, they went about inspecting and restoring every year, wherever it was necessary, all the cities and fortresses of the state of Venice. But more than all the rest did Michel fortify and adorn his native city of Verona, making there, besides other things, those most beautiful gates of the city, which have no equal in any other place. One was the Porta Nuova, all in the Dorico-Rustic order, which in its solidity and massive firmness corresponds to the strength of the site, being all built of tufa and pietra viva, and having within it rooms for the soldiers who mount guard there, and many other conveniences never before added to that kind of building. That edifice, which is quadrangular and open above, serving with its embrasures as a cavalier, defends two great bastions, or rather towers, which stand one on either side of the gate at proper distances, and all is done with so much judgment, cost, and magnificence, that no one thought that for the future there could be executed any work of greater grandeur or better design, even as none such had been seen in the past. But, a few years afterwards, the same San Michel founded and carried upwards the gate, commonly called the Porta del Palio, which is in no way inferior to that described above, but equally beautiful, grand, and magnificent, or even more so, and designed excellently well. And in truth, in these two gates, the Signoria of Venice may be seen to have equalled, by means of the genius of this architect, the edifices and fabrics of the ancient Romans. This last gate, then, is on the outer side of the Doric order, with immense projecting columns, all fluted according to the manner of that order and these columns, which are eight in all, are placed in pairs. 
four serve to enclose the gate with the arms of the rectors of the city between one and another on either side and the other four likewise in pairs make a finish to the angles of the gate the façade of which is very wide and all of bosses or rather blocks not rough but made smooth with very beautiful ornamentation and the opening or rather passage through the gate is left quadrangular but of an architecture that is new bizarre and most beautiful above it is a great and very rich doric cornice with all its appurtenances over which as may be seen from the model was to go a fronton with all its ornaments forming a parapet for the artillery since this gate like the other was to serve as a cavalier within the gate are very large rooms for the soldiers with other apartments and conveniences on the front that faces towards the city san michel made a most beautiful loggia all of the dorico rustic order on the outer side and on the inner all in rustic work with very large piers that have as ornaments columns round on the outside and on the inside square and projecting to the half of their thickness and all made of pieces in rustic masonry with doric capitals without bases and at the top is a great cornice likewise doric and carved passing along the whole loggia which is of great length both within and without in a word this work is marvellous wherefore it was well and truly spoken by the most illustrious signor sforza pallavicino captain-general of the venetian forces when he said that there was not to be found in all europe any structure that could in any way compare with it this was the last of michel's marvels for the reason that he had scarcely erected the whole of the first range described above when he finished the course of his life wherefore the work remained unfinished nor will it ever be finished at all for there are not wanting certain malignant persons as always happens with great works who censure it striving to diminish the glory of others by their malignity and evil speaking since they fail by a great measure to achieve similar things with their own powers the same master built another gate at verona called the porta di san zeno which is very beautiful in any other place indeed it would be marvellous but in verona its beauty and artistry are obscured by the two others described above a work of michel's likewise is the bastion or rather rampart that is near this gate and also another that is lower down opposite to san bernardino and another between them called del aqueo which is opposite to the campo marzio and also that surpassing all the others in size which is placed by the chain where the adige enters the city at padua he built the bastion called the coronaro and likewise that of san croce which are both of marvellous size and constructed in the modern manner according to the order invented by michel himself 
for the method of making bastions with angles was the invention of michel and before his day they were made round and whereas that kind of bastion was very difficult to defend at the present day having an obtuse angle on the outer side they can be defended with ease either from the cavalier erected between the two bastions and near to them or indeed from the other bastion provided that it be near the one attacked and the ditch wide his invention also was the method of making bastions with three platforms whereby the two at the sides guard and defend the ditch and the curtains with their open embrasures and the merlin in the centre defends itself and attacks the enemy in front this method of fortification has since been imitated by everyone causing the abandonment of the ancient fashion of subterranean embrasures called casemates in which on account of the smoke and other impediments the artillery could not be well handled not to mention that they often weakened the foundations of the towers and walls the same Michel built two very beautiful gates at Legnago. He directed at Peschiera the work of the first foundation of that fortress, and likewise many works at Brescia, and he always did everything with such diligence and such good foundations that not one of his buildings ever showed a crack. Finally, he restored the fortress of La Chiusa above Verona, making it possible for persons to pass by without entering the fortress, but yet in such a manner that, on the raising of a bridge by those who are within, no one can pass by against their will, or even show himself on the road, which is very narrow and cut out of the rock. He also built at Verona, just after he had returned from Rome, the very beautiful bridge over the Adige, called the Ponte Nuovo, doing this at the commission of Messer Giovanni Emo, at that time Podesta of that city, which bridge was on account of its strength, as it still is, a marvellous thing. End of section 22 Life of Michel Saint-Michel, Architect of Verona, Part 1